Hi friends, thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218 or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of my Weirdest Experience podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the no judgment zone, a safe place to share your experience. And it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have Keith Nelson here today on the show. His, he is a research professor from Penn State. He's a nature explorer. He's a sailor. And he's also the author of a book called Breakthroughs. So welcome to the show, Keith. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. You know, and I love, you know, uh, the the phrase or word star, stargazer, stargazing and, and, and all of that. So in the course of this, uh, I might uh, have a little starry story or, or two to share. Oh, good. Oh, good. I love Stargazing Angel. And and Keith is mentioning my business, which is Stargazing Angel, energy healing and readings and so on and so forth. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and um, you can jump into your story whenever you're ready. Okay. I have just one question. Sure. What, what should I call you during this session? Tina. Tina. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to be absolutely sure. You know how it is with names. Sometimes they, you know, go. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, well, what I would like to do is to uh, share a number of different stories, which on the surface might seem, you know, like they're really different, that they're not related. But I'd like, uh, in the course of doing it, uh, find some connections, you know, between these seemingly very different stories. And uh, I think that what might come out of the stories, you know, from a session like that or from this or from reading that book um, is inspiration, you know, decisions to try something new, a new level of awareness, a greater sense of how wonderful the world can be. So I'd like to start by talking about a trip on a sailing boat. A very good friend invited me to help bring his boat back from the British Virgin Islands. 
And uh, there were five of us guys and we set out from the British Virgin Islands to sail into the Bermuda Triangle, just way offshore, expecting to be out there 11 or 12 days. We were very prepared, you know, multiple instruments, backup, <laughs> life rafts, so forth. You know, we're pretty confident sailors, but you know, you never know. And if, right. when you're far, far from land, um, you know, you can't just uh, call for help. So we were ready for all that and things started out for the first day being just fine, just sailing along. But what, you know, really bushwhacked us, gobsmacked us was a couple days out, the wind slowed down and then it stopped, totally stopped. We were totally becalmed. We had never expected that to happen. So what are you going to do, right? The universe gives you lemons, make lemonade. The universe gave us the calming. And it was otherworldly in the sense that there was no sound whatsoever. There's all the beautiful light all around and in the sky and the clouds and so forth, but no sound whatsoever. No planes, you know, no boats, no land, you know, nothing. I, it's just amazing. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's almost mystical. And uh, it, so we just went with it. We relaxed. We hung out. We swam in the ocean and didn't have to worry about <laughs> getting back to the boat and, and so forth. So the other thing that was otherworldly, really amazing about it, is if you imagine uh, a bowl, a rounded bowl, sitting on top of that bowl, and you look around and, you know, the bowl drops off in every direction. The ocean was so still, you could see the curve of the earth, the curve of the ocean going off in every direction, 360 degrees. So we felt that we were in this, this beautiful, silent wilderness with a different view of the world than we could ever have imagined experiencing. And so that was uh, really inspiring and relaxing and helped us connect to the world. And when the wind came back, something else pretty amazing happened. We set out and the wind was fairly steady and then it got very steady. So we could just kind of sit back, you know, we have the sails all set they're they're tied off we don't have to touch a thing you know the universe is just taking care of our boat and so we're like on a dream boat just going along and that's beautiful and there's a, a wave a bow wave each side kind of just flows around but then here's the really strange and beautiful thing at night same thing just sailing along smoothly we don't have to work at all the bow wave is coming by, but there's phosphorescent in the water. And so it's just glittering, glittering, glittering. It's diamonds, it's angels, right? Flowing and flowing on each side of the boat. And uh, it is further enhanced because it's a perfectly still night. And all the stars are reflecting in the water. So we have this double luminescence in the water, the phosphorescent 
plankton making silver and white streams of angels and then the stars going with that. And, you know, we just, uh, we just felt that we entered the most magical world you can imagine. And that the angels and the stars were talking to us, right? You know, just talking to us and, you know, talking peace and connection well <laughs> it was it was it was really a thrilling experience i that i, I never would have imagined having right and it it happened only because you know we kind of went out on the edge you know we did something we'd never done before we'd never been you know days offshore sailing night and day we have to do shifts because you know of course somebody has to be watching the sailboat unless it's become but all the other times somebody mm -hmm. has to be awake even at night so we did the shifts and you know that's a little you know disruptive to your sleep but so what you know so many wonderful things were happening so i mean that that's the most direct you know stargazing star blowing experience you know that fits with your, the title for your show yeah i love um that magical feeling you get and I've I've felt that before in in nature where you just feel like this moment is pure magic. Yes. And one of the quickest ways for me to feel that way is a really good sunset. Oh, sure. So when you have one of those sunsets and I have a, a newly built patio, so I get to enjoy my sunsets even more and it it focuses toward the west. Uh-huh. And I've got a thin line of trees back there. But when all of those beautiful colors surround you, the pinks and the purples and the corals, and it's like that 360 yeah. moment of sunset. Sure. I love I love those kind of sunsets. That I mean, it's yeah. like putting that energy away in a bank account for the future. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. That's, you know, I, I, I love that expression. And, you know, it's clear just right now, listening and watching you, you know, how much it brings your life, just thinking back to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that uh, there's so many experiences like that, if we really are open to them, that are, you know, they're life changing, you just you can't go back to being, you know, a blase or whatever. You, you can't go back to expecting just ordinary things to happen because you know extraordinary things will right, happen. Right, right. And if you weren't paying attention or you, if you were inside and didn't look outside or, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for the rainbows. I'm always looking at the sky, you know. If the, you know when it's raining and sunny at the same time? Mm -hmm. I'm yep. always that person oh there could be a <laughs> rainbow at any moment so I'll like make sure I'm looking out the window I'll run outside every five minutes to see if there's a rainbow forming <laughs> sure. yeah that's great yeah well and sometimes you may uh do more than just you know you know wish for or expect a rainbow you may manifest it you may bring it around your name oh i've done that i'm yeah. not <laughs> not a amateur in in that area i've asked for certain weather i don't know if you've done this as a sailor but 
If I have to be outside and I, I've done this for years and years and years. Like when my husband and I got married, um, it was, we were having record breaking rain that spring. Oh boy! <laughs> and I just said, you know, universe, whoever's in charge of the weather, can you just please clear it up for my wedding today? Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, it ended up storming that day as it had been like every day that spring. And it knocked out the power to the wedding location, actually. It did. And so we had some nerve wracking moments where we were like, are we going to have power? How are we going to play music? You know, I had a DJ hired. Well, the power went back on and the the uh, sky, the skies cleared, so we were able to get married out in the garden. That's wonderful, and I'm 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 laughing as much as I am, because uh, we live on a farm in central Pennsylvania. If I look in that direction, I can I can see uh, a ridge of mountains called uh, Bald Eagle Ridge, and we got married here on the farm. We have a big old barn. And so we had, you know, a reception plan in the barn and the uh, ceremony itself out by a sculpture in the meadow. The day before, it was horrible weather. The day after, <laughs> it was horrible weather. And on the day of the wedding, it was just, you know, just perfect. Just perfect. Uh, so that's, that's one association uh, uh, to your stories. And the other one that I um, had flashed through my mind as you were talking about sunsets, my wife Cassie and I went on a honeymoon to the island, Greek island of Santorini. And Santorini um, has high cliffs and uh, wonderful places to look out because uh, it's a site of a lot of volcanic activity in the past. And so it created all that kind of uh, rockiness and cliff uh, structures, but it also created a hollow in the ocean called the caldera. So if you look out from from the cliffs, you know, maybe having a romantic dinner, whatever you look out, and uh, it's beautiful just regardless of the weather or the sun. It's it's always beautiful looking out to more islands, and you don't you don't know how far <laughs> below that the volcano might decide to become active again, but Mm -hmm. very peaceful. And looking out towards sunsets there uh, is is just a beautiful spot. And I don't know whether you've experienced it, but one thing we experienced is we get all kinds of yellows and reds and oranges and so forth. And then just for a little bit is what they call the green flash. Have you heard of a green flash? No. It's just a brief, usually brief band uh, before the sunset finishes of green. That's very unusual in sunsets. So we saw, you know, all the deepening colors, and then we saw that that green band. So uh, we. We'll always remember that. We'll remember like you, so many, you know, inspiring 
Well, now I'll know. I'm going to start looking for the green band now. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I heard about this because, well, okay, another sailing connection. I just remembered um, uh, if you sail the Pacific and there were Australian folks talking about experiencing that green band in, in the Pacific when they were sailing. And I had never seen it before. But then once I started watching for it, then, you know, maybe maybe only four times. It's not quite once in a lifetime, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's very unusual. And, th- and that also ties into, you know, some of the aspects of the stories that I'm telling today, which is that many of them really do involve, you know, being present, putting yourself in a situation where the dynamics may happen to create something you know, that will never be repeated for you. You know, that's a truly magical and once in a lifetime. So, <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of sunsets, have you ever seen a, um, a rainbow in a sunset? Uh, no. Yes. I've seen that. I've seen that. I was so excited. So, I lived. In the Charleston, South Carolina area, we get a lot of thunderstorms. And in our last house, you know, because I'm always running outside to see if there's a sunset, it 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 was it was a sunset and a rainbow. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Double whammy. Oh wow, that's okay. There there's a new one for me. I'm gonna pop that up in my my awareness and memory. Uh, yep and I've, I've seen it twice not oh, just goodness. once in my current location we also had a sunset rainbow so oh boy you're blessed you're very <laughs> <laughs> so I had a question about your sailing experience so where were you sailing what at what location were you when all that water calmed down and and you were able to go swimming in the ocean. Where were you? Well, you know, we set out from the British Virgin Islands and we were headed originally for Newport, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, so we were sailing, you know, in a north, mostly north direction, right? Mm -hmm. Northeast. And so we were several hundred miles off the coast in the Bermuda Triangle. So, you know, if you- Makes sense. (laughs) I have to look at you know a, a map carefully, but but probably if you go mostly east from Georgia and South Carolina, uh, you, you know, for 250, 300 miles, probably about where we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no ner- no nervousness about being in the Bermuda Triangle, knowing that you know boats and planes go missing and all sorts of that activity there. Not really, not, <laughs> not really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, we we were prepared. You know, when we were very excited. You know, we'd never done it before, uh, but we were realistic and tried to take as many precautions so that um, you know, if something you know uh, destroys part of the boat, right, that we'll still be able to, you know rig things you know and keep it going so we were prepared for heavy storms mm-hmm. um, but we weren't prepared for demons rising from the deep or anything like 
that requires a whole bunch of different tools than probably what you had on the boat. <laughs> right. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd like to tell you about another uh, experience not far from there. Okay. The it's about a 39 foot, you know, sailboat, a sloop. It's kind of a basic, not very rich person's um, uh, sailing craft. And it has, you know, comfortable room for uh, five guys to hang out and, and sleep and, and, and so forth. So it's, uh, you know, it's, for me, it's an impressive uh, size uh, sailing boat. Uh, but the other thing that happened that was right in that area was when we had some wind, uh, we were just sailing along and, uh, you know, just watching. We eventually saw some dolphins and so forth, but, you know, watching for anything that, that might can't come up. And two things happened that were really surprising. Flying fish flew out of the water, across our nose, and out the other side of the boat, for the most part. A few of them were not quite as good flyers, so they end, ended up in our lap, and we picked them up. I heard about flying fish, but you know, they... they, they they run in school. So, you know, all of a sudden it's just water and movement through the water. And the next moment, here they come. Mm -hmm. and, and then the other thing that came up was a mahi-mahi fish. Uh, your screen may not really show it, but, you know, about four feet long. Mm -hmm. Deep water fish came up. And when it came out of the water, this is amazing how many elements of the connecting to your stories it turned into rainbow colors it wasn't the usual color of fish you could see every color of the rainbow you know across the whole body you know and then it was gone again so needless to say we certainly were not expecting that and i don't expect any other time <laughs> in the presence of was a of a rainbow angel magical fish like that. Yeah. Well, I think we live in a magical world. So if you're open to something magical happening at every moment, you're more likely to experience something magical happening in that moment. That's right. And I like to, I like to talk about kind of a mix, like many things is, can happen at once dynamically and if we do many of the the moves to open ourselves up to put ourselves in places that maybe we haven't been before maybe some of the places the, that almost nobody has been before. Mm -hmm. and if we have positive expectations all right and we're kind of bringing our senses you know, very alive. And if we're putting aside goals, like, you know, we're, we're not walking outside to see the sunset or to go into the woods or out in the ocean so that we can plot the next steps in, in some big goals that we have, right? Mm -hmm. you know, we put down our ego, we put down, you know, the projects that we have and try to be as fully open and mindful as we can. You know, it's easy to say that. You know, sometimes we just can't do it. You know, the thoughts, you know, pester you. But when you can do it and you've done it regularly, 
then you build confidence. Hey, I can do this again. Mm-hmm. So you 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 create over time. I think you create higher and higher probability of these kinds of experiences. Yep, I completely one hundred percent know what you're talking about. That's how it, and it really is like a practice and mindfulness. Yeah, just clearing your mind, being in the moment. And being open to the possibilities and to a magical outcome. And that's when the cool things happen. Yes, I agree. And uh, I think another phrase that captures some of that is over time, if you've been working and practicing, you're tuning your instrument. You you are an instrument in this world for Mm -hmm. making things happen, for observing things, for knowing maybe where to go better places to go you know the better better choices so places to go and people to be around you know that help to bring you know all the complex conditions together for for those amazing things yeah and that's why i love travel so much because you can only plan so much and travel and there's always that element of surprise that happens you know that throws a wrench in your plans and and also i can i think travel is a tool for healing and learning and i I have a really good friend that does this on purpose (laughs) and she'll travel to these places and all everything gets kind of thrown up you know any issue she may have or or anything like that. She does this purposefully. Like she knows this is going to happen. But she's yeah. doing it for her highest yeah. best interests. Right. Yes. And your highest best consciousness. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe me. Being out. You know 300 miles from shore. With no boats or planes. You know in what turned out to be 11 days i you know i think that we saw uh, uh two ships that were you know not close but within sight at all so out there alone and uh you know go with the flow well you're on the sailboat away from everybody else you have no choice you you yeah. what's yeah. there and hopefully you appreciate it you, you learn from some of it and and uh uh, it, I, I think it's a, and you know, travel of any kind, you know, ties in with that. It, it, uh, it forces you, you know, to accept the conditions that you're in. Exactly, right? and I think the key is if there is a change in your plans, to just shift and adjust and be flexible yeah. about, you know, the change. Don't resist it fight it you know get i mean don't get overly upset like don't get stuck on it is is the key right exactly exactly i mean i swear it would have been easy for any of us on a sailboat when we became becalmed to say oh darn you know (laughs) we came here to sail we didn't we're not going anywhere right now (laughs) <laughs> so, so if 
in one sense, it's being stuck. But on the other hand, it's opening all these doors to experience that otherwise would not be open. And it's also letting go of control. Yes. Because I think we have this overinflated sense that we can control our environment or control what happens. And in reality, you can put your energy toward what you want to happen, but you've got to be flexible and open to something else happening. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if, if we still have quite a bit of time, I have a, a very different kind of story I like to slip in. Sure. And it's a it, it's about kids. And you know, out of my exploration of how ordinary kids learn, uh, I thought that I had all notifications off. Uh, um. But sorry about that. Just a little ping from my phone. Um, uh, thinking about kids and thinking about how kids get stuck. Just mm-hmm. we, we might be you know, stuck because we we were going to fly someplace and now we we have to change our plans or being stuck and being calm. Yeah. So what we came across, my. Um, racquetball partner Stephen and I um, he knew a lot about working with kids who had language delay and I'd never studied any kids with language delay and uh, so we did a review of you know all the studies that had been done at that time and unfortunately none of them were done well enough to show that the standard treatment that kids were getting for language was changing kids' language in a way when they talk to their parents, when they talk to their peers, when they communicate with the school teachers. Nobody was demonstrating. So people had some simplistic ideas and they were just using them again and again. And every, pretty much everybody thought about the same kind of simplistic ideas. And if you're convinced that you can make something work and other people are convinced, then you don't check. So we checked. And, and so... Uh, we came up with some creative new ways of working with kids who were stuck. And here's the image I want you to see. A six-year-old who's, you know, uh, entering first grade and, of course, needs to deal with reading, needs to deal with everything that the teacher says, needs to deal with other kids who can talk like a six-year-old, but they're talking like three-year-olds. So now... They're behind so many eight balls. They can't understand what the teacher is saying. They can't understand what kids are doing. They're rejected by many of their kids, right? It's easy to become less self-confident. Over time, kids who enter school like that are likely to do terrible in reading. You know, by the time they're 12, 15, they're likely to have mental health problems. They're likely to get into the criminal justice system. They're stuck. Mm -hmm. So... Is there any possibility, he said, that we could create a new way of working with kids that was so challenging and so dynamically um, um, involving, you know, engaging for the kids? Really challenging. They need to learn a lot, so make it really challenging, but make it really warm and interactive. And kids can talk about what they want to talk about. It might be dinosaurs, it might be dolls, it might be 
stars and the planets and you know outer space or star trek whatever it might be mm -hmm. but they could talk about what they want to do not some you know agenda and, and and checklist that we have and what we found was the six-year-olds who are pretty smart their brains are more developed than three-year-olds six-year-olds who got this new kind of language therapy was very conversational and very centered on the child's thoughts and feelings the kids learned as fast usually as ordinary kids there wasn't anything wrong with their brain they they didn't lack a language brain they just lacked really totally dynamically good condition and in fact many of the kids learned faster than ordinary kids because we were making the conditions much richer than what ordinary uh, kids get. Ordinary kids get enough, but we were making it like super rich. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we're stuck any place in helping a kid, helping ourselves, helping society, helping our mindfulness and our awareness, if we're stuck in our progress, then you know, really stepping back and saying, are there some new experiments that we can try that we've never tried before, right? If we keep doing the same thing, expecting wonderful things to happen, uh, then it's very unlikely that suddenly what hasn't been working is, is going to change. So it's, uh, again, that, that may seem very far from stargazing and rainbows but i don't think it is i think it's the way our spirits and our minds work and we make choices about what can enhance the kids life or what can enhance our life and the process of doing that i think is, is really in many respects very similar across all these areas well i think with anything if it's not working try something different and try something new and it sounds like these children who are speech delayed, maybe they just have a very low tolerance for talking about things they don't care about. <laughs> I think I've certainly seen that in a lot of kids. I agree. Yeah. Right. And I can completely relate to that as an adult because there's, I do like meeting new people and I like talking, but I like to talk about magical things. That's my favorite <laughs> subject. And if we start talking about our kids, I mean, and, and sports and, you know, topics I'm not interested in, or just a whole lot of complaining about everything, you know, I check out, I'm bored. I can't talk about this stuff, you know? It, it reminds me of a particular kid named Willie, who was a friend of my daughter, Leilani. Um, and uh, I went into the kindergarten class. It's the kind of thing that was really I, I run in a very open and child-centered kind of way. And so we went in and, you know, talked to the kids. And, and Willie brought over a book about snakes and he wanted to talk about snakes. That's what he wanted to talk about all the time with everybody. Mm -hmm. well, it turns out that my older brother, Craig, is uh, a biologist. And he started his career and spent a lot of it collecting snakes, and lizards, and frogs, and so forth. And when we were kids, we went out. It, 
in pastures and woods and so forth. I mean, we collected snakes and shared them with other kids and showed off, right? So I was completely comfortable with snakes and I had lots of snake stories. So we got along famously. <laughs> he was glad to have somebody who loves snakes and like to talk about it. And me too, you know. <laughs> and that, you know, that's that's when kids really learn something when um when they're alive, right, to the moment, and it's bringing in their spirits and, and uh, uh, their, you know, deep interests or fascination. Well, it start, it's making me think, what did I like to talk about when I was younger? I don't really think I did a whole lot of talking about certain subjects, but I do remember I used to love to have dolls, like all kinds of dolls, Barbies and stuffed animals. And I remember role playing and and doing stories among the dolls. Oh, sure. And then I would create like a little mm, fort with blankets or... I would create like different scenarios, you know, conversations. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I did a lot of that because I grew up in New York City. I didn't have a yard or, or you know, countryside to go out and play in without supervision. Sure. So a lot of my play happened in my bedroom, you know, with my dolls or, you know, my imagination. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, that reminds me again of my my daughter. I had no intention of bringing <laughs> uh, her in, in here today, but there she is. Um, and it reminds me of when she was, you know, about four. And uh, I told you we're on a farm, but another farm girl who lives not far away, um, Emma, and she would get together and they weren't you know, they're only four, so they'd done a little pony riding and so forth, but they were fascinated by horses. And in the living room here in our house, they would take sheets of paper and they would make a barn, right? And they'd make a house and they'd make a corral and they'd have this horse and they'd have that horse. <laughs> I mean, they, they would cover 10 feet by 10 feet with these uh, created spaces and the interactions among them, right? Uh, I, you know, it was, it was completely absorbing, you know, for both of them. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm sure that not just about horses, but I'm sure that it fostered their skills in imagination and creativity. Yeah, I remember having a lot of kind of conversations, even with people that I knew the kind of conversations I wished I had with them and I don't know you know you think that you're like everybody else and now I'm thinking uh, maybe this was kind of unusable for a child to do uh-huh. but I would imagine conversations with friends or family or you know kind of like fantasies type stuff yeah yeah well, that's what, you know, again, you're actively creating something. You're creating stories in your head, which, you know, is practice in exploring, you know, story space, possibility space. I, I mean, it just 
makes you stronger and stronger. Again, we talk about tuning your instrument and practice and so forth. Yeah. You know, it's just, and the, the really super thing about that is you weren't dependent for the most part on somebody else contributing or somebody else responding to it. Right. It was, I was making it up the whole thing up myself. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody, and nobody could interfere with it. And yet, and here you are, a grown-up woman who seems to to also appreciate interacting with with some people in the world quite a lot. Oh <laughs> it, yeah, it, it didn't. It only built you up. It didn't set you back. Is what I'm saying. Right, right. And I, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm an introvert, but I'm also I can be very outgoing too. Uh-huh. So I can be both. Um, I just think as I've grown older, I've become more introverted because I understand how energy affects me and that I need to recharge with quiet or from removing myself from the world sometimes. And that makes me introverted now. But I know that you have a book and it's called Breakthroughs. So tell us a little bit more about the book. Okay, sure, sure. Um, the, um, idea for breakthroughs, uh, came in a way from the kind of stories that I've been telling you. Um, uh, I began to notice that my hobbies of walking in the woods and sailing and paying attention to nature, um, and doing research with kids and reading about how other people make scientific breakthroughs or rehab or changes in society or stewardship and improving habitat for macaws and rainforest you know you know just comparing how different people were approaching things that that really led to remarkable changes to breakthroughs and i just ended up thinking more and more about the common processes and the subtitle for the book is realizing our potentials through dynamic tricky mixes. So it's a book about trying to inspire people to see that even when people are really stuck, even when people have been using simplistic attempts at solution, that you can shake things up. You can dynamically Mm -hmm. explore and uh, surprise yourself and surprise other people because you're creating new combinations of conditions or forces that nobody else has done before. And if you have confidence that that's possible, even for tough problems, right? Then, you know, more and more people will approach problems with, you know, open eyes and minds and spirits and say, well, we sure thought this would work, but it isn't working. So we've got, we've got to break out of it, you know, and go and try to new things. And so, you know, new mixes of things that are dynamic. And I, I like the phrase dynamic tricky mixes because sometimes it's really difficult you know, to create those conditions. You have to try and try again and tune and try again until you get it. You know, just like, uh, you know, the new conversational child-centered work on helping kids who are behind in language right nobody had ever ever done that and i'm not saying that my friend steve and i were special in that i'm saying what we did is what 
many other people have done. And we can learn from uh, examples that are way, way different than what, you know, we usually deal with as issues or, you know, central projects in our, our life. So can you give an example of a dynamic, tricky mix? Uh, sure. Um, I'll go back to kids again. And um, if you walk into, uh, when we started doing research with deaf kids, if you go into a school for the deaf and uh, you uh, check, you think you have some software that might be helpful for deaf kids for 11 or 12 year olds. So we invented some software that for the first time had sign language. You know, the computers were a little primitive at the time, but you know, now we have, you know, very modern versions of it. Um, uh, stuff that they had on computers had no sign language whatsoever. But we wanted to know where the kids were in their reading. And here's what we found that was absolutely shocking. We found that many of the kids had zero reading skills. They were not just behind. They had zero reading skills. If you didn't give them a simplistic canned reading test, you gave them a sheet of paper that they'd never seen before, and you asked them to read the words and phrases and sentences. Many of the kids could not read any of the words, right? They had been stuck in their progress. So school was stuck in the way it approached instruction. And we were able to show that within hours, kids who had not learned anything about reading, it wasn't that they didn't have a reading mind, you know, it was just that they never had a dynamic, tricky mix of conditions that is rich in many, many respects. The kid creates what happens on the screen, you know, animations, videos. You don't tell the child what to pay attention to now, now repeat it or practice it. They discover because the computer's interactive. And so kids who didn't know a thing about reading might encounter a sentence like this. Um, the um, uh, dinosaur sails, here comes sailing again, <laughs> the dinosaur sails across the lake and hugs the bear, right? That's a lot of sentence for a kid who has zero reading skill. Mm -hmm. It's a whole new mix. But we thought, and some of the teachers were scared, oh, that's too complicated. But we, we you know, most of the teachers were, okay, well, we'll try. So all that complexity in the sentence itself but for the kids, you know, looking at the video, you know, it's very clear the dinosaur has gotten in the sailboat, sailed across the lake, and hugged the bear. So all the kid needs to do is to map the clear meaning that's right there in their mind that they made happen, you know, by punching something on the computer to some of the words they need to read. Okay, they don't get all the words that, at once, but they keep doing this, right? It's like talking about your dolls or you know talking yeah. about, you know whatever interests you you know um so you work from some meaning that the kid has helped create and you don't test the hell out of them you know along the way you don't throw say pay attention to this pay attention. Oh, you're not getting it pay pay attention more right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you got you've got to respect the kid's spirit you know and in addition we had you know teachers who were fluent in sign language which the kids had never had and we had the sign language on the computer that's a lot of new conditions right it was tricky to put it together mm -hmm. but, but for many of these kids it was clearly effective within a few hours and you know they keep doing it you know they they really make progress and once you see that a kid in your class who's been lousy in reading is really making great progress then you get another dynamic tricky mix you have teachers who know that this kid can learn who expect that this kid can learn and are learning to be respectful for okay you know you know how, how can i be part of that effective mix but we know the kid can do it so um again it's it it transforms expectations as as well as the kid's progress so i get one of the key parts is getting that child's attention and interest right yeah. and and learning to read and that was that dinosaur sailing a boat and hugging the bear that caught their interest. Yeah, and 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 uh, another part of it that I think is very important to see is if you have a a kid or an adult who seems to be stuck in m moving forward in some area, um, and they haven't been, it's easy to go to the simplistic attempted solution of keep things really simple. Don't give them very much challenge. Which makes it kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and and we don't learn very well when we're bored. Exactly, exactly. And so, uh, I, I like to compare what you know can happen in any area. You know, someone who's an adult and is in rehab, uh, or is in psychotherapy for depression. There are, you know, there's stories in in, in the book about this too. Then. Uh, if we have a simplistic repeated attempt that doesn't really fully involve the spirit and the attention of the person, you know, we're very unlikely to succeed. And if we haven't seen anybody else, you know, pull off, you know, remarkable changes, uh, you know, sort of catch 22, if we've never seen it, then it may be hard to believe, right? It's easy to uh, kind of blame the person who's stuck oh well they just may not be able to do it right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and so th there there are many aspects of um adult change as well where you can see that someone who's having great difficulty and is not getting beyond the difficulty until you get a fairly dramatic change in the mix of conditions and so there are examples of, uh, you know, of adults, including the King of England, you know, um, the King's Speech is a movie about that, um, but many other examples uh, where stuttering is, is like holding a person back tremendously, but then they get some new person who inspires them and explores with them ways of tamping down their anxiety and organizing and you show anytime you take someone who seems disorganized stuck that they never are going to be able to do it and you get them to do it right then that opens up 
a whole new set of dynamic mixes because their confidence, their willingness to try, you know, the willingness to explore opens up and opens up. Um, so it's, uh, it's so easy to think that if we're a well-trained person as a teacher, as a therapist, uh, maybe as someone who tries to deal with kids in poverty or in Head Start or, uh, or working with saving the ocean or saving other aspects of the natural world. Um, and it's, you have a simplistic approach and it's not working, it's easy to become discouraged and stop exploring rather than recruiting new people and new pathways and, and seeing how you can really ramp up the positive dynamics. Um, and uh, so I, 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 I've been inspired by so many people myself doing things that you know, I never would have imagined that they'd be able to uh, to pull off. So I've tried to in, in, include a wide range of examples like that. So a reader might conclude, okay, well, hopefully, maybe that was kind of fun just to read about. But as you encounter a bunch of different examples, then maybe many readers will say, you know, I think I can do some of that kind of thing in areas where I didn't really think I could do anything, right? You know, for a problem I didn't think could ever be solved. Yeah, I think, you know, I've always thought this way. I always said that I thought outside the box. Great. And I always loved like brainstorming and troubleshooting. Oh, yeah. But I used to work for the government and they completely hate that. Like, <laughs> oh, God. You know, I was completely like a fish out of water. They don't want to think outside the box. They have a book of rules and regulations and you need to follow the steps. And And I I just thought that was kind of insane. Yes, yes. yes. You know, and, and it was not a, a good place for me. I don't know what a good place for me would be. I don't know, more a creative or maybe a... Uh, creative agency or anything but I never ended up working for any but I I never liked being boxed in following rules regulations created by somebody else for whatever dumb reasons in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah boy I've seen that so many yeah yeah so uh, I, I ended up being just an entrepreneur and and doing my own thing because I don't really fit in to regular, normal society. <laughs> yeah, well, boy, I, I can certainly resonate to to, to, to all of that. And uh, I, I think that um, one of the things that actually is, you know, kind of right about what people in government and schools and environmental policy and so forth, you know, sometimes are doing is they want to come up with a solution that works. And 
they don't want to just come up with a solution. They want to come up with the best way of doing things. And so, and who wouldn't? I mean, why would you do something that's not the best? I'll tell you why it's, it's not so straightforward to do what's the best thing to do, because you have to keep exploring and you have to have different people try different things or you're never going to find out what the best is because you're stuck in the frame, the silo, the box that you've set up because you think you're smart, you're well-intentioned, but you think you can put it all down and then everybody who does that will make things go smoother. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It is. And and the best is based on conditions that don't change. Yeah. And one of the universe's rules to me, conditions are everything's changing at every moment at every time. That's right. That's right. Dynamic again, you know. Right. Dynamic processes. They're totally in line with, with what I'm emphasizing in my stories in the book and you know. Absolutely. So if you anticipate that what you're seeing now is not going to be what you're seeing in a month or two months from now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're prepared to use all the tools. You know, you've been tuning your instruments. So you observe more carefully, right? You experiment more. You drop your ego and, and not, you know, not insist upon staying with something that that you decided on just because you decided on it, right? Right, right. You remain. Yeah. You, you are allowed to change your mind. And that's why I love one of my favorite books ever is this book called Conversations with God. Because in the conversations with God, the God says you can change your mind at every minute of every second of every day. You're supposed to. And when I read those words, I was like, yes, because this is how I am. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, Tina, this is not only okay to be this way, but it's how we're supposed to live our lives on planet Earth. Yes. 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 And uh, it, you used the word control before. Yeah. All of us at times want to control things right uh all of us want to be protected you know against shocks and unexpected things and of course against negative things but of course we can never never avoid all that but we can often steer ourselves towards more of the magical towards resilience when the negative comes up that we just cannot avoid right so here's my secret when that happens okay so i put out my intention and my words according to what i want to happen Mm -hmm. i'm very intentional about this so i live in south carolina we have the worst drivers ever (laughs) it seriously is horrendous every time you get get out in the car it's like you're Mm -hmm. taking chances right right so every time I get in the car, I, I ask for the most benevolent outcome for all drivers and animals on the road today. And then I say, thank you. <laughs> and I really feel like that helps me keep, keeps me safe from harm because I've 
communicated to the higher power universe yeah. creator, whatever you want to call it, that's always listening to us and yeah. listening to what we want. Yes. And I said, this is what I want. I, I didn't specify the outcome. I said, I want a benevolent outcome. Yes. Right. Yes. You and know, I, I say animals too, because I live close to the countryside. I see a lot of animals getting hit on the road and, and all of that. So to me, that's part of it. Right. Of, of course. And I do a lot of the same kind of, uh, anticipation asking for the cooperation of the universe uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, imagery um, and um, I, I think it I I know it has an impact I know it has yes on the way I feel and the way in which I act in the world mm -hmm. so you know again the dynamics if you're you're actively talking to the powers in the universe and reaching out with positive energy, you know, different things are going to happen dynamically than if you're just drifting or if you're walking around with a chip on your shoulder, you know, and angry, you know. Or you're expecting the worst, yes. which a lot of people do in the name of being prepared. Right. But what you're doing is you're putting your energy towards something that you're afraid of and you really don't want to happen. Yes, of course. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. So is there still a little time for a tale about a critter or two in nature? If it's quick, because we're approaching our one hour um, uh -huh. point. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, let, let me try a fairly uh, brief story that's based right here on, on, on the farm in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, uh, so at one point, we had three um, Labrador retrievers, three dogs. And so lots of the times when I would take a walk with my uh, daughter or spouse and go up there, we were all together and so forth. But there are times, you know, maybe the partly the introverted side uh, where I would like to walk by myself. Mm -hmm. And this is about a walk that I took across the meadows into the woods and uh the snow was falling it was basically a blizzard and i was just appreciating uh you know the soft silence and the snow falling on my face it was you know kind of heavy walking but i didn't mind it you know it was great and i go into the woods and there are pine trees and the branches are just you know heavy with snow it's so heavy with snow and I try to push a branch aside and another branch aside without getting my face and my neck you know totally covered with snow um, and I get past the tree to just a small clearing and there about eight feet away from me it's a bobcat standing in the snow he's clearly not expecting me to be there <laughs> right and as i'm telling you i'm recalling in my mind i could see every whisker on his face i could see his ears triangles of ears black on the tips and uh, tufts of hair coming out the top of course i could see his eyes 
and he didn't panic and I didn't panic. We just took each other in for the longest moment. It might have been two minutes. I don't know. You know, we, we lose track of the time. But it was a magical once in a lifetime experience to be in this winter wonderlands, deep snow, snow falling, that close to a wild creature is taking you in. And then he turns and he runs. And the snow is so deep that it's like seeing a snowmobile or something. The snow is flying everything. He goes up a log that's fallen against a tree, a long log that's fallen against another tree. So it's like about a 45 degree angle. He goes up the tree into this oak tree. And the only way, and there's no other tree close. So it's a log he went up and he goes up into the, the tree and disappears like an angel. I walked all around that tree in every angle and I cannot see where that bobcat has gone. So out of nothing, there he is just fully and incredibly present, vivid. Just like, a, I don't know, maybe not, not just a snowmobile, but like some kind of, you know, weird plowing mechanism of snow going every place and then silence and somehow he's just disappeared and become part of the tree so that's another once in a lifetime one for me <laughs> yeah beautiful oftentimes when i see wild animals and they i'm a very feeling person so I feel like sometimes the animals around us are afraid to be near us or, you know, they're very skittish and, and I'm not afraid to say, I will speak to them and say, you know, it's okay. You're safe with me. You don't have to go away. You can stay. I have had so many conversations like that, including with a, a green heron up at our pond a day ago. Right. Mm hmm I, mm -hmm. I just say, you know, he flies into one tree in the open and kind of hiding in the tree uh, close by. I say, it's just me. You know, you're perfectly safe here. And um, I have many, many other tales of spending quite a bit of time with a creature mm -hmm. who appreciates that kind of nonverbal message and presence and we just spend time together yeah and it's an honor to me it's an honor that and a wild animal would be so close to me or trust me or land on me and yes. feel perfectly safe oh absolutely almost <laughs> like i'm a tree branch i had a dragonfly uh -huh. was sitting out on my patio and she landed on my skirt uh -huh. <laughs> you know, just like I was any kind of bush or tree or flower, and she stayed for a little while, and then she flew away. Yeah, well, well, another experience we've had at this farm, and I've had with fifth grade kids, where we got them involved in improving habitat for monarchs, you know, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
milkweed is, you know, what for the most part what you have, but uh, flowering plants to accompany the milkweed and so forth. And so one of the pictures I have of myself is of a monarch who's landed on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and this year is a wonderful year for the milkweed. The, the climate has just been uh, terrific. And there's a, a organization at University of Kansas who's doing many dynamic, tricky, mixed things to help us understand and to enhance monarch. And they say it's a pretty darn good year, you know, all along the east coast of the United States. And it certainly seems that way uh, uh, here. Yeah, I'm one of those nerds that um, I'm anywhere outside and I see a butterfly and I'm like, butterfly! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Keith, I so enjoyed having you on the show and thank you for sharing your stories with us. Just real quick, let listeners know how they can find you and find your book. Okay. Um, Well, the book can be found uh, everywhere. uh, You know, booksellers sell it as the, the publishers say, but if you use the full title, breakthroughs realizing our potentials through dynamic tricky mixes uh you can find it on amazon and barnes and noble and target and you know many 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 um other uh places um they can also find me on facebook uh under the name keith nelson and on linkedin and a number of other sites and here's a little pen about the book which might not show up now but i'll just read it my email i welcome email feedback about any of this is uh keith nelson art you know just all one long word keith nelson art at gmail and you can also find my spirit walking around probably in in the woods or the ocean close to wherever you are (laughs) awesome well thank you so much keith well, thank you. It's real, really, really delightful and so many ways in which uh, you and I connected. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully some listeners will uh, find that our uh, back and forth conversation is, is really inspiring to them. Thank you, Tina. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.